The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. The Gospel of the Lord. I think if someone were to ask me, I would say that I first really came to know the Virgin Mary through a footnote. It happened in a theology textbook written by a man named John Macquarie. Um, John Macquarie was from Scotland. He was a, a Scottish pastor, which meant he was a Presbyterian. Um, and he came to New York City in 1962 to teach theology at Union Seminary. And over the next few years, largely because of his experience in churches in Manhattan and um, a lot of work of the Holy Spirit in his heart, um, John McQuarrie eventually felt a shift going on in his, in his outlook, in his theology, in his sense of, of where he should be serving God. And so he went to see the Bishop of New York, and after a few years he was ordained an Episcopal priest. And so you can see, if you know anything about my history, coming from the Presbyterian Church into the Episcopal Church, why John Macquarie always gets my attention. Um, but what I like most about him is as he made that transition, um, as he lived every day of his life, really, he, he lived his questions. It's like Rilke says, to live one's questions uh, Macquarie did his best to do that. And so um, if you ever read anything that he was, he was saying, if you heard him preach, if you met him from what I've heard, um, you heard his questions sort of being lived out. And one of those questions had to do with the Virgin Mary. Uh, the Virgin Mary is not talked about a whole lot in uh, Presbyterian churches um, and in many Protestant churches. Um, as I was growing up, the Virgin Mary was one of those aspects of what Catholics do. And it was sort of enshrouded in mystery. And the message was, you better leave that alone. <laughs> and so I was curious when I was reading this theology textbook by Macquarie, there was some mention of the Virgin Mary and then a footnote that referred me down to the text at the bottom of the page. And there it mentioned a group called the Ecumenical Society for the Study of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So I was intrigued. I went to the library and looked it up, and sure enough, such a group existed, and it was like its name implied. It was full of Orthodox people and Baptist and Methodist and Roman Catholics and Episcopalians and Lutherans and everybody sort of getting together. Some ordained ministers, many lay people, some theologians, some just people asking questions out loud together. And so this little group had papers and sermons and uh, they would discuss and argue and wonder together. And so I was hooked. 
And I think that probably began what has continued for me a, um, a journey, an exploration, a, a relationship uh, with my own understanding of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Today's scriptures invite us into some of what the church has believed and um, encouraged around Mary. If you think about it, Mary is a powerful person, a powerful woman. Certainly in Roman Catholicism, she is sometimes larger than life. In the Orthodox churches, Mary has a prominent place. But if you listen to our brothers and sisters of other faiths, she's there as well. In Judaism, she is Miriam. She is honored and valued and listened to. In Islam, she is Maryam. She is, again, honored and listened. And there's an entire book in the Quran named for her, Maryam. Of course, in the Christian tradition, she takes on many different uh, aspects and many different senses of aspects of God's love and God's care for us. What's been interesting to me to notice the last few years is not only do Roman Catholics try to look at their own tradition and figure out who the Virgin Mary is today for them, and not only do the Orthodox Church and Orthodox Christians do the same, but evangelicals and Pentecostals as well are sort of discovering the Virgin Mary. And so there are some people who see her not only as a, a source of solace, a source of consolation, um, but also as a guiding light forward into a way of peace, a way of reconciliation, uh, perhaps an opening for us to talk with people of other faiths about those things that unite us and keep us in common. In today's gospel, Mary meets with her cousin, her kinswoman, Elizabeth. There is joy. There is a sense of God's purpose doing something amazing and new. But the other scriptures sort of highlight one aspect of what God is doing in Mary. God selects that which is small, which is seemingly insignificant, and God magnifies it. We hear that in Mary's famous song, the Magnificat. As Mary says, my soul is magnified by the Lord. She's quoting Hannah in Hannah's song in a similar situation in the Hebrew scriptures. But Mary goes on to talk about God's, God's work of lifting up the lowly, of taking the very poorest of the poor and making them feel rich, taking those who are hungry and filling them with good things. And on the opposite, those who are sort of uh, overburdened with their things and their stuff and their food and their drink, God leaves them a little low. Mary speaks of reversals. She sings of reversals. And that's a little bit of what we hear in those other scriptures as well. In the first reading from Micah, God is choosing Bethlehem. No one ever heard of Bethlehem. It was a little tiny town. It was like someplace in New Jersey. And God's saying, from Bethlehem is going to come the very best of the best. From Bethlehem is coming great, great things. Out of you, O Bethlehem will come the very Son of God. In the letter to the Hebrews, it's, it's uh, in some ways shrouded in mystery and poetry. But the purpose of Hebrews is to help people understand that it's, it's not through good works, it's not through our, our holy living, it's not through praying just right or living just right or even doing the right thing, but it's through the one and only sacrifice of Jesus Christ that we're brought closer to God. It's through Christ's sacrifice that we have salvation. 
And so we can relax, we can rest. It's through that small and seemingly insignificant thing, according to the Roman Empire, according to many in the world that day on Calvary, that we have a changed life, we have a renewed life, we have a way forward into the very heart of God. And then Mary's own song, of course, as she contemplates and discusses with her cousin, what can this mean that God has, has entered into her and is going to create out of Mary a savior? What will it mean for those around her to watch as Mary watches her son grow up, as she watches her son die? Mary remains faithful throughout, throughout it all. I mentioned a minute ago that some of the, the more interesting scholarship in my mind recently around Mary has been from evangelicals and Pentecostals. And a few years ago, a young woman working as a youth director wrote a little book, and she aimed it for teenage girls. She was especially um, worried that girls were picking up too much from the media, from commercials, from magazines, from movies, about how, should, how they should look and how they should think and how they should act. And so this young woman, Shannon Kubiak, thought, well, the Virgin Mary is a pretty good model for what it means to be a whole woman, a woman who is, who is true to her faith, but who also who is strong and who is able to stand in the face of adversity and danger, but be one with God. And so Shannon Kubiak wrote a little book entitled God Called a Girl. <laughs> it's a great title. But she says in this little book, Mary was a nobody, Yet she found favor and blessing with God. How many times do we look in the mirror and find a nobody staring back at us? We often limit what God can do with our lives because we think our upbringing, our appearance, or our life is not a sufficient tool for the hands of God to use. But if Mary really was a nobody, all it took for God to make her somebody was one miracle on a lonely day when she was just going about her usual daily business. That same God is calling again, and this time he's calling you. This time he's calling me. He's calling all of us. He's calling us to be magnified like Mary, especially if we feel like maybe what we're doing or who we are doesn't matter, especially if we feel like we're being overlooked or, or sidetracked, especially if it feels like whatever we're doing doesn't matter. God wants to magnify that. And God also encourages us, like Mary, to look around us. Who in our world needs to be magnified, needs to be raised up, needs to be given a hand, needs to be helped a little. It's that season, whether we do that publicly or quietly, uh, to magnify those around us, to in some small or large way um, help others know that God's love is here for them and God wants more for all of us. Especially in these days before Christmas, may we sing with the Blessed Virgin Mary this song of joy this song of God's holy reversals, this song of God's magnifying all, so that we might be great with God and God's love. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.